Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple R Podcast, where this is the best retro wrestling podcast on the internet, and that is undisputed. As always, joining me (laughs) is my two co-hosts, Warren and Chris. Warren, I'll kick it to you first. How are you doing this evening? Doing doing well. Uh, Doing well. Ready to uh, discuss this surprisingly good Halloween Havoc 1997 pay-per-view. Fantastic. And uh, Chris, are you ready to shock the system? I'm always ready to shock the system. (laughs) Fantastic to hear. So this evening, as Warren kind of spoiled a little bit, we are going to be talking about a Halloween Havoc pay-per-view, 1997 to be exact. Before we get into the particulars of pay-per-view, I want to ask my two co-hosts for their first impressions. So, Warren, what were your first impressions going into this pay-per-view? Um, so my first impressions were um one was the timeline to f- try to figure out where this was uh where the where everything was at at this time in WCW. So this is Sting is already turned into the Crow Sting. He's not always around. He's up in the rafters. He hasn't spoken yet. Now here it is in October. So he hasn't spoken in almost uh, almost 10 months or 10 months exactly. Um, and he's starting to show what his intentions are. And he may have his eyes set on Hollywood Hogan. Um, but to open the show, they are giving this Hogan and Piper match way too much hype um i want to say it sounded like to me that they were saying that this was that piper said this was the first time that him and hogan were going at it they must have forgot that wrestlemania one even happened um i believe this is the third time that uh, match if i'm not mistaken if not more honestly um but for them to no, this is the first time, and me and him is standing in the squared circle. No, not not the case. Um, but uh, they should have spent a little more time hyping up uh, a number of other matches on this card. Uh, name mainly the Ray and Eddie match. That's I have a feeling it's going to blow the doors off of this pay per view. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. There's a lot of really good matches on this card. Um, But Chris, what were your initial thoughts here? You know, the more we do WCW pay-per-views, the more it becomes clear to me why WCW didn't work. I mean, you have these young, talented, athletic cruiserweights and talented international uh, 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 wrestlers that come over to do spots on your show, and you give the main event to two just over-the-hill old guys (laughs) just, like, having a dick-measuring contest? Like, who can still draw the most tickets? I don't It's just... uh, It's frustrating, to say the least. Um... Uh, also, I mean, Warren, you're not wrong. That Ray Eddie Guerrero match, I, I'll save. I, I just, I, I, right now, I don't have the words because it's, it's. I can't talk about it. I gotta wait until we get to the match. But it's just, 
It's beautiful. It's poetry in there. It's poetry. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was a fantastic match. And, you know, we'll get into it. We're about three matches away. Um, for, for y'all at home, this is uh, Halloween Havoc 1997. took place on October 26th at the MGM Grand Arena, which is in Paradise, Nevada, which is, you know, a fancy way of saying Las Vegas. Attendance was 12,457. Uh, Chris, do you know who this pay-per-view was presented by? Uh, I believe it was Slim Jims. Oh, wow. It was, the whole pay-per-view was so subtle as to who the sponsor was. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> WCW was very... Um, uh, they were very big into the Slim Jim sponsorship following the Mantra Man over there. Um, because I want to say he had just started the Slim Jim Slim Jim sponsorship towards the tail end of his WWE run. Oh, I thought it was always with when he was with WCW. No, I I think he signed up with it. I'm pretty sure, and I could effort it, but I'm pretty sure towards the tail end of his WWE run is when he was getting into it, and then once he went to WCW, they just it went with him. So. He went full full bore into that. Well, it was on everything on that guy in ring. So it was on it was on everything. It's on the announce table, it was on the ring post, it was on Macho Man even. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised they didn't have it on the uh the mat in the ring. <laughs> I mean, I'm it sure was if on we the mat in the ring. You didn't see it in every corner there's a little slim gym like stamp. It was everywhere. Oh, oh, yep. Okay, there you go. All right, so I gave. Got to get that slim gym. I gave a point to myself for a great point. (laughs) Got to get that slim gym money. Uh, On the microphone this evening was uh, Dusty, the American Dream, uh, Tony Skiavone, and uh, Bobby the Brian. So, uh, I mean, a great commentator team, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My only knock on. Um, I guess somewhat more Heenan than Dusty. I remember Heenan's work in his on commentary in the WWE, especially with with um with Gorilla Monsoon. His commentary in WWE seems so much more natural and a nice flow and back and forth with with Gorilla. Here in WCW, it seems like his. His spots depict as to jump into commentary are like they seem so forced and so produced. And I don't know if they were forced or produced. Just the way it came off, it was very there didn't seem to be a good flow of conversation back and forth. And it, I guess it's harder with a with a three person booth. Um but and just didn't seem as natural as I remember Heenan being. In a four person booth for a good majority, well, not the majority, but a good portion of the pay-per-view. I mean, they had Mike Tanay for, the, what, the first three matches? I think it was... Mike Tanay is the only person that can talk about international and cruiserweight yep. stars. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, that was one of my notes too, Warren, is I I like all three members of this booth, and I feel like uh, Dusty and uh, Brian were a little handcuffed here. You know, I like them when they're kind mm-hmm. of both off the rails, especially the Brian. I think he's a fantastic commentator, but 
that brings us to the end of the intro. So, uh, so could someone ring the bell for me so we can get to this pay-per-view? No problem. There we go. All right. So our first match of the evening is uh, Yuki Nakata versus the Ultimo Dragon. Whoa. <laughs> Yuji Nagata. Yeah, Yugi Nakata. Yogi Nakata, like I said. Wow. Wow. Um, he's accompanied by Sonny Ono. I'm going to do something a little different in my hosting here. I'm not really going to talk about the match. I'm just going to let you guys do it. I mean, I have my notes. If you miss something, I'll give myself a point. And if I end up winning this show, you know, I mean, that's, that's your fault. So, <laughs> um, changing the rule. I'm going to go with the, uh, age before beauty here so i'm gonna go with you warren you go ahead and uh, kick us off um so as i've mentioned before here on the trip War podcast i'm a big fan of new japan pro wrestling and new yeah whoa slow down yuji nagata is still going strong over there in new japan um and it's weird for me at least to see him a young Yuji nagata here who is in WCW, he was this eternal heel-looking guy. But over in Japan, he's, I guess, like they're a Hulk Hogan almost. It's like baby face and crowd always loves him and whatnot. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see that he's still going strong here in 2021. Um, like I mentioned, international stars, you got to bring out Mike Tanay so he can talk about the match. Um, this match was uh was very good it, it, it got the pay-per-view off to a very good start um this spot here uh ultimate dragon was diving trying to dive on yuji nagata on the outside and uh nagata's defense was just kick him in the chest uh at a midair uh so that was a good spot these kicks that UG was throwing, no leg slaps needed, and you still got the pop in the uh, in the uh, crowd or whatnot, or in the arena, I should say. And uh, and then I got the last note. Mike Tanay was right. Why would UG Nagata try for a leg submission when he's been working on the arm the whole match? Um, Ultimo Dragon hurts his arm. UG Nagata's working the arm, but then... When he tries to end the match the first time, he goes on his Nagata lock leg submission. Of course, he's not going to tap out from that. But then he throws on the, uh, the high angle arm bar and Ultimate Dragon taps out. Nagata gets the win there. Uh, solid match. Good way to open the show. Uh, get everybody warmed up. Yeah, I agree. This was a, a fantastic opener. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts here? So, uh, for this opening matchup, all I could think of, and Pilch, you're not going to get this, but Warren will get this. All I can think about during this match is playing WCW versus the world and yeah. Warren's friend, Kent Keys screaming at the top of his lungs, Yuji Nagata. That's all I can think about. That's all I can think about. That's it. That's the, I'm gonna, as soon as he came out, that I, jo- I went, you. Nagata. And I was like, why did I do that? I like couldn't at first I couldn't like pinpoint like why is this like ingrained in my memory? Why do I feel the need to scream Yuji Nagata in that like tone? And I was like, oh, that's right. Kent used to do this 
every time he picked Eugene Nagata and played Warren, and I would have to listen to it while they were playing 64. <laughs> so, I, can't, I can't wait to talk to Ken. I'm going to reach out to him tomorrow. Tell him you got a shout out on the podcast. Tell him that is the that's all I could think about yesterday while I was watching this match. Um, then I'm sure if we go back and watch the Nitros and Thunders leading up to this Halloween Havoc, this would make more sense. But I wrote down, uh-oh, it's the flock, because Raven and the flock make their way through the crowd. And I thought they were going to cause some disturbance, but nope, they just came in. And they found their seats, and they just wanted to watch the show, I guess. You thought they were going to do something. I thought they were going to do something. Maybe go to the commentator booth. Maybe just exactly what the flock does. And it was absolutely nothing. Yeah, they just came in, and they sat down, and just watched the show. And I was like, okay, maybe they'll come back later, but (laughs) we'll check back in with the flock. Uh, And then (laughs) I wrote this down. Because they kept bringing up uh, Ultimo Dragon must have hurt his elbow and has these bone chips in his in his arm that are like giving him problems. That I just wrote down those damn bone chips because they kept coming back to it and talking about it. And then, uh, you know, everything it was like everything he did. It's like, oh, he's you know, it's those bone chips are giving him problems. The goddamn bone chips. Oh, you know, Ultimo's got those bone chips in his arm. <laughs> and, and you know Nagata slaps on that arm bar and I wrote down Nagata stole this move from Jericho uh, <laughs> because as a, if anyone or, uh, you know if you're a true wrestling fan you know that Chris Jericho is the man of a thousand and one holds and four, four. <laughs> a thousand and four sorry a thousand and four holds and about uh, 994 of those holes are the arm bar so, <laughs> uh, so that's all I got for this. Uh, Yuji Nagata picks up the win and collects his uh, uh, payment for hired assassin for taking out Ultimo Dragon. Yeah, he sure does. I mean, I, I actually like this story a lot. I thought it was good. Um, you know, Sonny Ono was wrong. He hires a, you know, outside gun to come in and beat up the Ultimo Dragon. I thought Ultimo Dragon looked great in this match, personally. Um, he, he did. You know, even, he really did. Even in a loss, like, I thought he looked fantastic. Um, you know, Yogi Nakahata looked... Uh, <laughs> Yuji I mean, Nagata. Ultimo would have won if it wasn't for those damn bone chips. He could have slapped on the Dragon Sleeper. You this know, is true. I'm surprised no one mentioned the uh, the cool rubber vest he was wearing to the ring. I thought that was, uh, you know, pretty awesome. Um that that Yuji Nagata was wearing? Yeah, Yogi Nakahata. Yeah, he was wearing that weird rubber vest. <laughs> uh, you know, Dragon um, has has the 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 fanciest of feet in this match. You know, he's he's dancing all around, giving weird kicks, doing you know moonwalks. It's, it's great. Uh, Chris, what's scarier than a slim gym? Uh uh what's scarier than i don't know what i don't know i mean they asked that question at one point in this match we never got an answer so i figured you knew (laughs) i have no no idea typical wcw (laughs) um you know i like that sonny ono paid off his hired gun at the end of the match uh yogi looked like he was trying to eat the money so i don't really think he knows how this whole hitman thing works but 
you know, all in all, <laughs> uh, great match. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great way to start the pay-per-view, and I was actually kind of excited to where we were going to go from here. So uh, two thumbs up for me, and uh, I think we can ring the bell on this one. We can. All right, so next up we have uh, Gordon Ghetto versus uh, Chris Jericho. Just, just, <laughs> never mind. Uh, this was a uh, impromptu bonus match, not announced before the pay per view. You know, they just decided. You know, people, you know, millions of people bought this, so let's give them some uh, some Chris Jericho love. I'll kick it to Chris first. Uh, you know, thoughts on the match? What do you got to say? Uh, so I didn't know who. I never heard of Ghetto before. Um, had to look him up. I guess he's really big in New Japan, uh, still active. Um, yeah. I just know, I mean, when he came out, I was like, this guy looks like an idiot. Um, and I was also bothered that they pumped in Chris Jericho's WWE music on the, the pay-per-view. I didn't like that. I mean, I always appreciate Break the Walls Down, but I just feel like just play the WCW. Why do you have to, you know, you don't that's need to a, do it. Like, it's fine. Point. Okay, continue. Um, I wrote down Ghetto was really selling that hammerlock. He really sold it. Like, you know, Jericho, normal hammerlock sell, you know, ah, ooh, give a little shoulder tap, you know, ah, ooh, ah. and he reverses it on Ghetto, and Ghetto just bloody murder, screaming, like, oh my god, he's gonna snap my arm, like, really selling, and this was, like, the second move done in the match, like, it was early, <laughs> like, you don't need to sell that much, I mean, I don't know, I just, what? I just... <laughs> You just mentioned that Jericho, not at this time. This that that Jericho gimmick comes a little later, but um, he is the master of, of a good of, armor. Yeah, thousand and four holds. So of course, uh, Gito's gonna uh, no Gato and Ghetto Ghetto Ghetto's going to uh, really sell the armbar because Jericho knows. Nine thousand different. You're right. I didn't. I didn't take that. That he's the master of the hammerlock. So you're right. You know, maybe he does add a little more torque than normal. Uh, the other uh, notes I have here is uh, Ghetto needs more tape on his fingers because I don't think he had enough. He had autumn fingers tape. <laughs> he had autumn fingers tape. Uh, and then all caps. Jesus, Jericho lands on his head. Um, he tried to do that top. It was a. They're both on the top rope. He tries to do a Hurricane Rana, then both standing on the top rope. And I don't know who did what wrong. I don't know if Ghetto was supposed to reverse it. I, maybe um, he didn't flip soon enough, or Ghetto was supposed to. I don't know who who was in the wrong, Jericho or or Ghetto. But Jericho lands right on his dome. Um, Jesus! Yeah, <laughs> but he, he continues. He continues and finishes out the match. Um, Chris Jericho gets the win from a line tamer. I, my last note is look at the torque on that line tamer. There was a good arch in Ghetto's back on that, on that line tamer. I think his, his feet were touching the top of his head. Um, but Chris Jericho uh, 
you know, walks away with a with a big old W in this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I actually you hit on like every note I had. So uh, kudos to you, Chris. Hopefully, uh, Warren doesn't screw the pooch here. So Warren, what do you think? <laughs> So, uh, so I also noted down the uh, Jericho dubbed over um, theme with the WWE theme there. Um, I'm, I wasn't necessarily bothered by it. Um, just kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Um, I'm not sure at this time in 97, he might have still had his face theme, not the uh, the one that sounded like Even Flow by Pearl Jam. Um, but who knows? Um, definitely an interesting attire choice by, uh, by ghetto. Um, if we asked Jericho what he thought ghetto looks like, uh, in his, his attire, he'd probably say something on the lines of stupid idiot uh, mm-hmm. with, with his attire choice. Um, can I, I have to talk about this because we've watched a number of WCW pay-per-views since we've been doing the just triple R podcast and at least once a pay-per-view, they mentioned this Fugazi rule about getting thrown over the top rope into the floor as a DQ. Mind you, they've never enforced the rule. Not once have they enforced, not once. And here how is it okay or not okay to throw your opponent over the top rope into the floor? But you can clothesline your opponent over the top rope into the floor, and that's not DQ'd with the ref looking directly at the action. How? Uh, the only I, thing I, I can know. think of Both is that people. RoboCop sanctioned it that's that's all i got the the only answer that i can think of is wcw because and there are a bunch of other things going through this pay-per-view that we're going to notice and the only answer to them is going to be wcw um and this is supposed to be prime wcw this is 1997 so they're still going back and forth a little bit uh the nw might be a little too big here but whatever the case Sting is still hot. NWO is still hot. Uh, DDP is on the come up. Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't 2000s WCW when they're on their last legs. But, man, there's so many things on here that are just like, this doesn't make sense, and they're still putting it out. But I digress back to the action. Uh, I didn't remember. I don't remember seeing Jericho do this double powerbomb move in WCW. I thought that was... Uh, only adopted once he got to the WWE uh, before he started doing his Lion Tame or his Walls of Jericho full time. Um, this this Jericho spot where he lands on his head and he's trying to do the top rope standing Frankensteiner to ghetto. Oh my gosh! Just I cringed just like the two of you guys did when you guys saw the spot. Um, and uh, glad Jericho was able to get the win here with the Lions. It's always a pleasure to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of the same notes here. I mean, you know, what was Ghetto wearing? He just, he looks so ridiculous. Um, 
there there was one cool spot here i like that um was it the the ghetto knee breaker i don't even remember how it happened i just remember like it was like a couple crazy flips and you thought like jericho was gonna get the upper hand and he, he dropped him on the knee i thought that was great um that top yeah. rope spot was hard to watch and, yes and I just I remember wincing like vividly when that happened. I was just like, oh, someone someone's neck's broken, if not both. Um, and, and there was still a good amount of match after that spot happened. Oh, yeah. And and Jericho was able to get through it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought this match was very stiff. I don't I, I've watched a lot of Jericho matches and um, I don't remember watching one that was as stiff as this one was like i thought a lot of the shots were like real late in there and it it almost seemed like jericho had something to prove at this point which i'm sure he probably did but he almost wanted to look like a higher weight class of wrestler in this match than i think he needed to I think what jericho did a lot when he goes up against cruiserweights is he wrestles as the big guy um, when he goes up against like truer form cruiserweights, like guys that are way less than Jericho was probably what? 225. Maybe not, maybe not 230 yet, but like 225. If he's going up against somebody who's in the low twos, then he's going to wrestle as the, the bigger, the bigger guy and do bigger moves. And that's, you know, double power bomb and this, that, and the third, he'll still do his little bit of flying here and there. Right. Um, but uh, but he'll definitely wrestle as the the bigger uh, the bigger person in the match. And I actually like the double powerbomb spot. I thought um, they both did a good job with that. Honestly, yeah, um, yeah, I like this match. I mean, I again, it, it, it's like the first one. I don't really have anything negative to say. It it was good. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was a great way to segue from the first match. You know, um, Gordy did a good job you know, for being his first WCW match. So, uh, win-win. Ghetto, not Gordy. Yeah, Gordy Ghetto. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, there was an interesting promo here with Deborah and Mean Gene. Mongo comes in. And I just I just don't know where this, this whole thing was going. Um, no one does. I, it looks like... It looks like Deborah just wants to be on camera and she'd much rather just be sitting there smiling into the camera than actually uh, doing a, a promo in the backstage that makes sense. Uh, Mongo is Mongo, even though I know the three of us have an affection for Mongo, especially with his Twitter, not his personal Twitter, but Mongo and Friends Twitter that shows all the botches. Um, but this was just weird. I don't think it made sense. I, I could have just done without it. Um, but you, I guess you need to set up what's coming up soon with uh, who Deborah's going to have to fight Mongo McMichael in their match. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the... I actually took zero notes on any of the promos because I thought they were all bad. So, but at least you brought up one. Yeah, they weren't great. They weren't great. I mean, there there was the Macho Man promo where he literally talks about Slim Jims for about a minute and a half. So, <laughs> Which, I mean, I love Slim Jims, don't get me wrong. But it's just you know not not the right place. Got to get that. Got to get that ad time in. Exactly. So uh, yeah, let's ring the bell on uh, Gordon Ghetto and Chris Jericho. So uh, next up we have Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. This is 
I thought it was a hair versus mask match, but I don't think it actually was. I think it was actually a cruiserweight championship match. Am, am I mistaken there? So it was title versus mask. Title versus mask. Okay. Um, yeah. So Mysterio was the champ. No, Eddie was the champ. Eddie was the champ. Put his title up. If Eddie won and retained the title, he'd have to take Ray Mysterio's match. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, so Warren, go for it, man. So uh, this was probably the match I was looking forward to the most uh, when we when we peeked at the card before we watched it. Um, this was my favorite Rey Mysterio attire. Um, it's based off of the movie The Phantom uh, from, God, early 90s. Well, this was 97. I think it came out in 95. Billy Zane played this 1950s superhero, but same kind of attire to purple, whatever the case. Um, and then as, as he comes out after with the title here in 1997, even here, Eddie is just oozing a, a certain kind of it factor. Um, you can't explain it. It's not something that you can grasp but it, it it's just something that you just know is there and he's he's got it here in 1997 a lightning quick start to this match eddie continues to cut mysterio off uh whenever he tries to gain some kind of offense um a real tough spot to watch was when he yanks when eddie yanks ray mysterio off the apron by his leg and lands right uh flat on his back on the mat outside um there was a spot here where Ray was start going for some kind of cartwheel move. I don't know what the what he was really trying to go for, but Eddie just caught him and dumped him on his neck. Uh, Mysterio had a cool spot where he was a springboard DDT. Um, I don't think Ray and Eddie have ever had a bad match. Um, this is the is this the second match that we watched of theirs or third? Might be third. the third. Third match of theirs that we've watched, two in WCW, one in WWE. Each one of them was top-notch and in the running for whatever pay-per-view was on for match of the night for that pay-per-view. Um, and I really enjoyed the finish at the end there uh, for Mysterio to get the win and become your new cruiserweight champion. Uh, yeah, no, this match was fantastic. And uh, before I read any of my notes, Chris, by all means, please. So I like to call this match Old Faithful. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio can watch it all day, every day. This is the second, I want to say second time we've seen them fight in WCW. Um, third overall, obviously because of the lot, uh, Dominic ladder match. Yeah, that we all know and love. Um, but yeah, this ma- I mean, this match was great from start to finish. Eddie... Big heel coming out, current champion, the most dangerous mullet in the game, and um, <laughs> the uh, I wrote down the I said how many t- I, well, my question was how many times have we seen this match? And I think it's three. I'm pretty sure it's three. Um, vault the, the Eddie Guerrero vaulting senton from the apron. I love that move. I think it's so yeah. cool. 
I like the way he stalls just a little bit when he comes in and he's looking straight down at you and then hits you at the last second. I think it's one of his best moves in his arsenal besides the frog splash. Um, and then I wrote all caps, what a DDT. That Rey Mysterio springboard DDT. Oh, my God. Picture perfect. Um, and I wrote down Mike Tanay. <laughs> Mike Tanay has his finger on the pulse of luchador wrestling. He just knows <laughs> any little fact, factoids about what family is connected to who and who came up with what and what's going on in Mexico City and blah, 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 blah. He just, Mike Tanay just spitting his ass. And at one point, Bobby Heaton says, Mike, what don't you know? Because he's just tired of hearing all these facts from Mike Tanay. <laughs> I kind of liken Mike Tanay to uh, to Mel Kiper for the NFL draft. Like when you're you you watch the first round of the NFL draft and everybody knows everybody, but then you start getting into the the fifth and sixth and seventh round, and they're talking about some guy that is a cornerback at a Division two school, and the only thing that the host, whoever it was, Chris Berman or it was Trey Wingo in more recent years. They would say, so the Eagles drafted blah, 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 blah from Roast Beef Tech, Mel. And they would just have Mel just rattle off. Oh, he ran a 40 in this time. And he's got great hands. He's got to work on his feet. And just bend a third. And that's what he would do every single time. And that's what Mike Tanay would do. You would throw it at him because you didn't know so much about Yuji Nagata or Ghetto or you wanted to know the backstory about uh, Ray Mysterio and Eddie, and he'd rattle off everything back and forth to you. That he would. That he would. And like, uh, okay, so if say if like they had brought in a Spanish announcer, and he was the guy that was like telling us all about luchador wrestling, like, yeah, sure, okay, I would believe that, I would buy that. But Mike Tanay is one of the whitest people. You could get on that mic, and he's the guy that we're, that's telling us about luchador wrestling. I just think it's comical. I, I mean, don't think you wouldn't get the same effect uh, if it was a a Spanish announcer. Could it possibly be cultural appropriation on Mike Tanay's part? I don't know. We'll, we'll leave that to the fans to decide. That's a big word. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Whoa. So, Chris, is that all you got for this match, or you got a little more? Uh, and my last note is match of the night. I I would have no problem calling this match of the night. I agree. Um, this is the, the only time I've ever wrote this in the history of the Triple R podcast. I, my last note was, wow, that was just a fantastic match. It, you know, I, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't really think it would be as good as it was. It just, you know, hit, checked all the boxes. It was great. You know, I, Eddie Guerrero has so much heat on him going in this match. Like, I, you guys know I love a good heel. And when his music plays, the crowd just loses it. Like, they're pissed that he's even, like, a person. You know, and everyone's chanting, like, Eddie sucks. Eddie sucks. And to... Get that reaction out of a crowd means you're doing something right, and I, I yeah, I, I love it. I think it was great. Um, 
I'm not a big fan of the fact that Rey Mysterio wore a thong to this match, and then Eddie Guerrero like pretty much <laughs> ripped it at one point, and also gave him a wedgie, which I thought was a little, you know, not my favorite. A little inappropriate. A little iffy. Um, no, it was great. I mean, you know, I, I told you guys off air before we started recording. I I think this is one of the best matches I've ever seen. And I stand by, I put this against any match I've ever watched. Like, it's just, it has everything. I think the, the storytelling is great. You have a a great baby face get against it, a fantastic heel in this match. The, the finish was phenomenal. You know, the, the small package in the one, two, three, after the big move, you know, just win, 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 win. Um, loved every second of it. Uh, I think if if you're if you're looking to watch a match to understand what professional wrestling is about, I think it's got to be something with Ray and Eddie because they're able they can both go in the ring, they make it look believable, and they can always tell a good story, even if you don't know the backstory to their match. The, the story that they tell from Bell to Bell is is pristine. And anybody that has eyes will be able to put that story together. Completely agree. Um, yeah, no, the whole thing is fantastic. I honestly think this, this could headline any pay-per-view ever. And I think everyone would leave happy that, at what they saw. So, um, yeah, it's great. So let's go ahead and ring the bell here. I said earlier that I didn't take any notes on any of the promos, and I did lie a little bit because I took one note, and this is uh, between the next two matches where Mean Gene is pumping the WCW hotline. He's got a hot tip about what's going on in WCW, but you have to call the hotline to find out. And... All I could think of is I wish the internet existed back then so someone could superimpose Mean Gene's head on Drake's body in the Hotline Bling music video. Because I would watch that on repeat <laughs> for hours. It's only a dollar twenty. Have any have any of you guys ever called the WCW hotline? I I haven't. Have you worn? I have not. Chris? Have I ever called it? Yes. Yeah. Mm, I don't think so. There was that thing, you know, Warren, do you think this still exists? There was that through Times Union, there was a phone number you could call and it was like the wrestling line and it would tell you everything that happened on all the shows. Okay. So I literally was just thinking about that. It was called the source line. Yeah. Uh, they had you. You call the source line, and in the newspaper, the Times Union, our local newspaper, it had codes to get to anything. There was sports trivia, sports scores, you know, agricultural stuff, news, anything you wanted to listen to. And there was a line on there that was a wrestling wrap-up line. They talked about what happened on shows, the ratings. Uh, all the rumors, all that stuff. I called that number constantly for mm-hmm. either wrestling stuff or uh, 
called it for um what was the other thing? Oh, the sports trivia. Called it for sports trivia as well. Um fantastic it was. No, it is not a thing anymore. Uh I was very sad when they finally closed that thing. I'm going to preface that I uh I I was um I I had a good childhood. Like I, you know, I had two parents. They both did everything they could to raise me. Uh I come from a military household. Both my parents were in the army. Um not abused at all. But if I would have called a pay to listen hotline in 1997 when I was 10 years old, I would have gotten my mm-hmm. ass beat to gotcha. beyond <laughs> the, bol- the source line. The source line for the Times Union was not paid. It oh, was okay. a free thing to call. All right, well, it was I mean, not what the WCW hotline was where it was paid to call. No. Absolutely not. It was Listen, um, if I if it was paid and I called it as much as I did, I wouldn't be doing the triple R podcast today. I'd be six feet in the ground. Right. It was um oh, yeah. shoot. What was the uh what was the number you'd call to like find out like movie show times? Movie phone. Oh, I loved movie phone. I would talk to movie phone when I was bored. Yeah. yeah, it'd be like two in the afternoon. and be like, huh, I wonder what's playing at the old mall. Call it movie phone. And you could also call the source line to get uh, movie times hmm. and horoscopes and everything. The sports line sounds like it was great. Can't believe it's called. source line. Welcome to movie phone. <laughs> Titanic oh, is playing at the Spectrum Theater. At 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m. I've done enough movie phone at this point, but I did love movie phone. (laughs) And everyone under the age of 30 will have no idea what we're talking about. No, No clue. Not a clue. All right. So let's get into... uh, I mean, do you really want to talk about the Hogan promo? I don't really think we need to. He he flexes a lot, says he's unsafe at work. He's afraid of Sting. You know, it's Hogan. Yeah, the the gist of the Hogan promo is they they are going they were going to refuse to participate in the main event if WCW can't guarantee that Sting will not make it an appearance on the pay per view. So they put that out there, and then hopefully somebody from the uh, board of directors from WCW will make an appearance and give them their answer. But that's the gist of it, outside of the flexing. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen one Hogan promo, you've seen them all. That's the way I look at it. Heel, babyface, or not. I mean, they're all kind of in the same thing. This is true. This is true. So our next match, which uh, Chris gets to lead off with, is uh, Steve Mongo McMichael versus a mystery opponent. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Anytime there's a mystery opponent, I'm always going to do the ooh, spooky, because I, I, I get scared. 
Ooh, spooky. So, uh, Chris, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, please fill us on, on who the spooky mystery man is and uh, how this match went. So, this match, I think I have more questions than anything with this match. Um, first, the, the, the Mongo uh, uh, promo earlier in the night I didn't really understand what was going on between why him and Deborah were having problems and why they wanted a divorce and Mongo wasn't giving her nothing. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then now they're going to, Mongo's going to have a match and Deborah has somebody fighting in her name. Um, and we're waiting for them to come out. And apparently it's Alex, Wright. Um, his music doesn't initially hit. They were late with his playing his music. But Alex Wright comes out and he's a dancing and fighting for Deborah's honor, I guess. I guess. I'm sure I'm supposed to know what happens if Mongo wins and what happens if Alex Wright wins, but I don't really know. And I don't think they ever made it clear. Because, I mean, because nothing was happening if if depending on whoever won. Okay. I mean, they just made it seem like if Alex Wright wins, they get a divorce. And if Mongo wins, they still get a divorce. It's like, I don't understand. I didn't understand what the, what I was watching. Oh, and, no. You know what the answer is? <laughs> What's the answer? WCW. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty regular Mongo match. I mean, he's all over the place botching moves and Alex Wright is, you know, carrying the show, trying to sell for Mongo and guide him through the ring. Like, Hey, no, we got to do this spot first. Well, but I want to move my feet and you know, it's whatever it's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just nonsense. It's all nonsense. And, uh, then all of a sudden Goldberg comes out. <laughs> what? what is Goldberg comes out and, I don't know what Goldberg has to do with this match. I don't know what his his beef is with Mongo. Why? I don't know. I just it doesn't. It's again, it's not clear what Goldberg's involvement has to do with the storyline. Um, Goldberg comes in, and uh, this is <laughs> this is great. So Deborah is distracting the ref. Alex Wright is down on the ground. You think Deborah is just distracting the ref so that Mongo can't get the pin. Give time for Alex Wright to get up. That's when Goldberg comes out. When Goldberg comes out, Mongo is stationed in a different corner. Okay? If Mongo had stayed where he was, Goldberg could have delivered the spear unnoticed to the ref, unbeknownst to the ref, because his back is turned with Deborah, and Deborah's on the outside. He's in the corner, looking out towards Deborah. If Mongo had stayed in the corner he was in, the opposite, not the opposite corner, but the adjacent corner, ref wouldn't have seen Goldberg. But Mongo decides he's going to go over to the ref, start hemming, you know, jabber-jawing with the ref and with Deborah. This causes Goldberg to change where he is in the ring. So now when Goldberg delivers the spear to Mongo, the ref 
is uh, he, he turns and looks. And when he turns and looks, he looks directly into the eyes of Goldberg. But the ref doesn't acknowledge it. He doesn't throw his hands up like, hey, what are you doing out here? He doesn't turn (laughs) further to see the mayhem that has been left in the ring. He just looks over, sees Goldberg, and then turns back to Deborah and just keeps talking with Deborah. (laughs) So once again, Mongo has ruined this already crazy match. Because he couldn't stay still and stay where he was supposed to stay and take the spear like he's supposed to in the spot. They had told him, you're going to stand in this corner and you're going to cut. Goldberg's going to come out. You're going to go towards him. He's going to spear you and then he's going to roll out of the ring. And Mongo's just like, all right, I'm going to go wander over here and not do what I'm told and ruin the whole thing. The ref then, (laughs) after the spear though, Goldberg thinks he starts ad-libbing. And he's like, I'm going to give him a jackhammer. So now Goldberg has to go pick up Mongo. As he's picking up Mongo, the ref turns and looks and like, oh, I guess we're doing this now. And then turns back to Deborah while Goldberg is lifting him up for, this, for the jackhammer. And then I think while he has him up in the jackhammer, ref looks again. Oh, nope, still doing a jackhammer. I'm going to turn back to Deborah. And then jackhammer happens. And then Goldberg goes over and picks up Alex Wright like a baby just effortlessly and goes and carries him over and places him onto Mongo. And the ref once again looks over. Oh, he's not done yet. Go back to Deborah, And he's talking to Deborah. And finally, Goldberg has left the ring. The ref turns, sees, oh, hey, Alex Wright is pinning Mongo. That's weird. Wonder what happened there. One, two, three. Alex Wright gets the win. And then apparently Goldberg did all this because he wanted Mongo's Super Bowl ring. So Deborah gives Goldberg the Super Bowl ring and then Goldberg spears and jackhammers Alex Wright now. But it's like, what did Alex Wright do to you? (laughs) Why are you attacking Alex Wright? He had nothing to do with this. Like he's an innocent bystander. But just everybody's got to get it. Everybody's got to get speared. Everybody's got to get jackhammered. I'm actually a little shocked he didn't spear and jackhammer Deborah or the ref. I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is just a really dumb match, and <laughs> it was all over the place. I don't know who to blame. Do you blame Mongo? Do you blame Goldberg? Do you blame the Booker? I'm blaming Booker. I'm going to blame the Booker on this one. And that's my take. Um. Yeah, no, I. So, before we get to Warren, is um, as as you know, we we talk about this from time to time. As I take my notes, I write who the match was against. I write my notes at the bottom. I write a W, and then I write a dash as to who won the match. In this particular instance, I wrote winner Alex Wright question mark Goldberg question mark <laughs> Deborah question mark. I think we all lost the fans. I, I'm not sure. um yeah warren i mean (laughs) go for it man so i know chris was able to 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 talk about basically everything that there was to talk about in the match um my one other note 
was as much as I am a fan of Alex Wright, I think here the reveal of him as the mystery opponent, opponent was a huge letdown by everybody. Um, I didn't hear any kind of pop, cheering, booing, just nothing as he came to the ring. <laughs> and uh, it was a typical Mongo match where, you know, Alex Wright's a very capable performer. Um, me and and Uncle Chris had a conversation on, was it Saturday, Chris? Um, no, no, it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. Sunday. We had a conversation about what Alex Wright was up to uh, here in 2021. And because um, I'm kind of surprised that he's not in a, a promotion over here in the States um, and never really did anything stateside uh, in America after WCW closed. Um did some accounting, then back in his home country of Germany, got back into the wrestling business in recent years. Um, I think he even has a wrestling school, and he's a very capable and talented performer, always has been. Um, but it's just a hard it's a hard ask for him to go in here with Mongo because Mongo's go-to when he's not sure of, of what he's supposed to do is shuffle his feet and move into a try and move into position to do a tombstone where he looks like he's going to drop the guy in his head every single time. Uh, then there's the run in here with Goldberg and how somehow the ref just didn't see Goldberg do anything when the ref clearly peeked over his shoulder a numerous times. Uh, and this is a good official. Charles Robinson's a dynamite official, still official uh, officiating in WWE to this day. Um but a, a very questionable performance here by him. Uh, questionable performance by uh, Mongo. Uh, Goldberg gets to run in and gets the it's the second uh, time a, a manager of valet has put a hit on the opponent. And uh, Deborah pays him off with a looks like uh, Mongo's Super Bowl ring. And uh, Goldberg is just fine with that. So, uh yeah, we probably spent way too much time on this match in general. So, um, after this match, I took to Instagram and I uh, I follow LeBron James, and I I wanted to just see a picture of LeBron James NBA Finals ring from last season, and it makes Mongo's Super Bowl ring look like something you'd get out of a Cracker Jack box. So, I don't. I really I don't, don't think that was the actual Super Bowl ring. I don't know, but I don't think it was. Well, even it didn't look like a Super Bowl ring. If it was or it wasn't, it didn't. I I didn't buy it. Um, I have some weird notes from this match. So, uh, first and foremost, they did the commentators didn't talk about this match at all during the match. They all they talked about was the Hogan promo throughout the entire match. No one mentioned anything about the match. Like Alex Wright came out as a mystery opponent. No one mentioned it. Like they just kept talking about how Hogan was, you know, a coward and, you know, how it's unsafe. Blah, blah, blah. Um, this has to be the most ridiculous referee distraction spot of all time. And for reasons Chris mentioned is that the referee literally looks Goldberg in the eyes at one point and then pretends like, oh, I didn't see that. 
And then he just goes about his business. <laughs> the, the, the distraction lasted like almost three minutes. And it's just like, what are you, Charles, what are you doing, Chuck? Like, turn around, like, get an idea what's happening. And then Goldberg's just like, you know what? If I'm going to beat up Mongo, I'm also going to beat up Alex, right? Like, you know, who, who cares? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 you know, that's the long and short of it. I mean, I feel like this is a match nobody won. You know, I don't know if anyone lost either. I did think that, um, a good reality show back in 1997 would be Bobby the Brain and, uh, Dusty Rhodes called the, uh, Brain and the Dream. Some good theme song there, you know, like getting the shenanigans. I, I'd watch that. I don't know why I thought I wrote that as a note here. They must have done something stupid. Um, no, it was, it was better than the match. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a match, you know. And oh, to uh, piggyback, when we did our first WCW pay per view, uh, Warren tasked us with figuring out who his top 10 WCW wrestlers of all time were. And I did guess Alex, Alex Wright. Just to throw that out there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Alex Wright, name drop. That is correct. I think we can ring the bell on Mongo and uh, Goldberg, Deborah. <laughs> Uh, before we go in the next match, uh, we had a uh, Macho Man promo where he talked about how much he loves Slim Jims for like two and a half minutes. Do you guys want to discuss that at all, or are we good to move on? Yeah, we're good. I, I do want to discuss, uh, this is a much different Miss Elizabeth than we remember in the WWE. Um, the fact that she actually talked during the promo... Um, the uh she doesn't carry herself in the same way that she did in WWE at the time mm-hmm. um this is a much different Liz than we're uh than we're used to sure i mean she does look uh extremely confident now i would say is that, is that the right word yes yes um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think it's a good point. But let's get into the next match, which uh, Warren's going to lead off here. We have probably the most competitive match of the evening, which is uh, Disco Inferno versus uh, Miss Jacqueline. It's a TV championship match, a non-sanctioned, mind you. And, uh, you know, Warren, uh, what are your thoughts here? Wait, it was for the TV title? Uh, they said it was, and then when, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but then when the result happened, it wasn't. So, uh, they confused themselves, which, you know, WCW. Yeah, WCW. Um, so I don't have very many notes on this match because, you know, not much happened. Um, first thing, say what you will about Disco Inferno. He's over. Even if it's as a heel, um, most people, uh, a good number of people, I'll say, now most is a little strong, good number of people, when he's coming out, they're doing the disco, dancing, you know, 
John Travolta Saturday night fever point kind of thing. Um, Disco spent more time on the outside of the ring running from Miss Jacqueline than uh, in the ring. And to be honest, I'd run from Miss Jacqueline too. Uh, but Jacqueline gets the win here with the roll up. That, that's all I got. Okay. Chris? I have one note for this match. Boo. It really was. It really was disco running from Jacqueline. They started to get into it then, and then Jacqueline rolls them up. That's mm. it. It's not. Yeah. And then yeah. And then yeah. And then you know it wasn't. Was this for the TV title? They said it was for the TV title. They said disco had the TV title on the line, but then Jacqueline won. But she doesn't have the TV title. Like I would. Why? Nothing makes sense. Nope. Nothing makes sense. I mean, it's WCW. What do you want? I mean, you know, it's not freaking Scorsese. It's, you know, it's Eric Bischoff, you know, doing this thing. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, the whole crowd was disco dancing here. I, you know, I love Disco Inferno. Uh, <laughs> so, the, the honestly, the one note I had from this match, which is kind of strange, is there was... There's two two guys on the outside of the ring in this match. A couple of fans, right? And you see them throughout the pay-per-view, and for some reason, like, they, they bothered me. And I finally put my finger on it in this, in this match, is that they were both wearing, like, collared, like, dress shirts, like you'd wear with, like, a suit, right? But they were tucked into their cargo shorts. And I just thought that was, like, the strangest... <laughs> like look that you could go for it's you know it's like yeah it's almost like they they both worked like a 10 hour day and they're like okay well we got to change and go to the show but like i'm not taking my shirt off so get rid of these dress pants and give me some cargo shorts i gotta put my skull in the left side pocket i i don't know this is 1997 that is prime attire then it was just the weirdest thing but no i agree with you guys i mean I actually thought this match wasn't as bad as you guys do. I thought they they did a decent job where Disco ran around the ring, like was avoiding contact the whole time. Um, I don't know if I would have given Jacqueline the win. I understand why they did it. Uh, I would have had some kind of fugazi finish where, you know, maybe she cracked him in the head with a chair or something, you know, disqualification. Um, Other than that, you know, I, I... I don't really have a problem with it. I don't know. You know, call me old fashioned. Call me old fashioned WCW, but didn't hate it. I don't know if I necessarily had a problem with it. Um, I got the story that they were trying to tell. It was just maybe nine minutes for the match was too long, and they should have just gave it five. That's fair. So I, I think we can ring the bell here unless uh, Chris has a last-minute point that he wants to shove in there. For Disco and Jacqueline? No. Okay. All right. So, yeah, ring the bell. So next on the old card is a U.S. title match between uh, Kurt Henning and Ric Flair. 
Chris is going to lead this one off. So uh, go ahead, sir. Give us uh, your thoughts here. Uh, I have two notes on this match. Uh, Flair means business. There was no strut out. There was no posturing. There were no woos. It was Flair came down that entranceway ready to beat up Kurt Henning. Uh, I guess Kurt Henning stole Flair's robe and Flair wasn't happy about it. And Flair was there to kick ass and take names and all that good stuff. So uh, Flair gets DQ'd from attacking the ref. That's a big no-no. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Henning looked like he got hurt early in the match. I didn't see exactly what happened. It looked like he like maybe tweaked something or pulled something in his knee. Um, but he, after that, he was hobbling around the whole match. He didn't seem like himself. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't. Uh, that's the thing with WCW. It's like they, it's where the big boys play, right? They got all these big names, but it's like, yeah, they were big names back in the 70s and 80s. Like this is mid to late 90s. And now you got it's just old guys fighting. And it's like. Do I really want to be excited about Kurt Henning and Ric Flair and, you know, Hogan and Piper? It's like if this was, I don't know, if this was 82 and like we're getting these matches like, yeah, I would be jacked about these matches. But I don't know. It's just. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like watching, you know, watching Goldberg come back now and or like, you know, watching Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, you know, at the 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 you know the the greatest Royal Rumble. You know, it's like I get what you're trying to do, but this is just old dudes beating up old dudes. Like how good is it gonna be? The answer, Chris, is not good. <laughs> uh Warren, do you have anything different to add than what Chris already said? Um, so I, I do have a lot of notes on this match. Um, yeah, so, uh, I was looking for, I was looking forward to this match. Um, just because I like both performers. I like Kurt Henning. I like Ric Flair. Uh, Kurt's out here with a Ric Flair robe, sleeves cut off. And I want to say, uh, cause we were talking about the timeline of things. I want to say this is just after, um, they offer Rick or uh, they offer Kurt Henning a spot in the Four Horsemen, where Arn had to retire. So Arn was offering him his spot. I want to say he joined and then did the double turn and not the double turn, but the turn and joined. End up joining the NWO. So this is, I think, this is where we're at within the storyline. Um, but Henning's out here. He's not moving very well. Not like he used to. He was a premier athlete in the WWE when he was Mr. Perfect. Um, but here, not so much. Um, Henning gets the DQ win here when Flair has hanging Henning in the tree of woe, places the U.S. title on his face and kicks it. Um, but then Tony Schiavone brought up a good point here. Uh, if WCW is so anti-NWO and truly at odds with them, then why are the officials coming out 
after the match is over, when Flair is just putting the boots to Kurt Henning, why are the officials coming out to break him up? Uh, if they're really at odds, then why would just just let them fight? And then why, when Vincent and Conan come out, instead of attacking Ric Flair, the only thing that they do is rescue Henning and wheel him out of the, and uh, usher him out of the ring. If if he's truly in the NWO at this time, you would think they would be uh, chomping at the bit at at the time to to get the one up on somebody and uh, attack them when, when they had the numbers, especially when they have two capable guys coming out. But that didn't happen, so it was just an interesting way to to end the segment, which I didn't I didn't think it made made too much sense. Uh, yeah, I would agree with all that, actually. You made a couple of good points that, um, I didn't make, so congrats there. Uh, yeah, no, I hated this match. I, I thought I was going to really like it. Um, I didn't. I, the only thing I liked was, you know, we didn't get the normal flare entrance, like he was pissed and he ran out to the ring, and after that, I thought it all kind of went downhill. And, um... Yeah, you know, it's weird because I think you you'll both disagree with me here. I've never been a big Kurt Henning fan. I know he, I know he's a great worker in the ring. I know like the Mister Perfect things, you know, one of the better gimmicks of all time. It just he 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 he's someone that never really resonated with me for some reason, and I I can't really put my finger mm-hmm. on it. It's just how I feel, I guess. I'm going to have to send you some of the vignettes that Mr. Perfect did uh, before he debuted in WWF. Um, some of his best work. Oh, I, I don't. Um, him, again, I don't discredit him as a wrestler. You know, there, there's a lot of people I discredit yeah. every time we record, but I, you know, I think he's a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think he's a good promo. He just, to me, he was like I just never really got it, you know. And mm. not every gimmicks for every fan, I guess. You know. I mean, this this is true. This is true. So, um, I think we can ring the bell on this one, right? Okay. So before we get into our next match, uh, we're gonna talk about a. Triple R podcast. Uh, I don't. What, what's the opposite of a fan favorite? Uh, I don't know. An enemy of the podcast? I don't know so much as an enemy is like a divisive. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what was that? I dropped my phone. So loud. It was loud. Oh, gosh. Chris, are, are you okay? I'm okay. I just dropped my phone. And it's just, it made a It, it sounded loud It sounded like a bomb went off. I, I thought your mic fell off. I oh, that. I, just, I just dropped it. I dropped it, like, slipped out of my hand. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't say an enemy of the podcast, but someone that 
um, you know, is not well liked by the three of us, but is in a predominant role here, and that would be uh, Lex Luger takes on Scott Hall here. <laughs> and um, oh, before you get to Lex Luger and Scott Hall, mm-hmm. we got the Hogan and Bischoff promo that where they had the previous promo where where Bischoff and Hogan said they weren't going to fight unless we could guarantee that Sting was not in attendance. J.J. Dillon from the board of directors come out and has a signed contract saying Sting will not be in attendance. And Bischoff is still trying to refuse to do the match with Hogan and Piper. Yeah, I, I actually didn't really like that whole thing. I don't know. I mean, no, because it doesn't because it doesn't make sense. You say here's the demand that I need for this match to go on, and WCW meets the demand, but then you're still going to dispute it. Well, yeah, I mean they're the heels. Just, so. just kind of lost me with that. So, but I, yes, go ahead. Let's let's talk yeah. about stinky Lex Luger and Scott Hall. Right, I didn't really like that promo, and I. Before we get in the match, let's get a second opinion on that promo. And I want to. The three of us weren't there, but we there is one man that we always have on the podcast that was there. So I want to throw it down to our field correspondent, the Iron Sheik. And I just want him to let us know what he thought about this promo. So, uh, so Sheik, what did you. Uh, what were your thoughts here about this Bischoff promo where he's trying to. Uh, get Hogan out of the match tonight against Roddy Piper. Thank you, Sheik. As always, he's just right on the button. Right on the button. Spot, spot on there when you need him. Yeah, I didn't like it either, Sheik. And, um, <laughs> you know, he, he always just he has a way with words and you know i yeah i have a degree in english and i'm just not nearly as eloquent as the iron cheek and i wish i was no 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 no, no. so we have uh, you want to talk about the english language oh god <laughs> i ain't got freaks nine days out of the week i can give them i was gonna seven days in a week Man, you ain't big pop. I'm a big bad booty guy in the nonstop. Now listen, English. <laughs> you ain't big pop. I'm the big bad booty daddy. <laughs> oh, so, our next match is uh, Razor Ramon versus Lex Luger. And uh, Warren, you're up first. So let's uh, let's hear your thoughts here. What do you got? Oh, uh, so um. <laughs> the first thing I got written down here is uh, I think I heard this correctly. It was as Luger is coming to the ring. He's walking down the aisle. He's, he's slapping hands with some of the, the fans up against the railing. And I swear somebody was screaming F you to Lex Luger. Um, it sounds correct. It's what it, what it sounded like to me. Uh, Larry Zabisco is in here as the guest referee, and of course, he seems to be doing a lot of of quicker counts 
against the NWO Scott Hall and giving Lex Luger some extra time, especially when they're trying to break up against the ropes and whatnot. Um, and uh, no, Dusty. Dusty wanted to try and say that this match uh, did not get off to a slow start. It absolutely got off to a slow start. The speed of this pay-per-view, where it took a dip in the middle with... Uh, with the Alex Wright Mongo match and the Jackal and Disco Inferno match. No, it came to a screeching halt with these sleeper holds. And I am a fan. I am a fan of rest hold wrestling, but this just was a little too slow. For Why me. are you a fan of rest holds? I just like, I like wrestling. I don't necessarily need all the flippy stuff. You like wrestling. <laughs> So you like all the all the stretches and the surfboards and the out a surfboard. You can do that and still have an exciting match. I don't need oh, let's gather on the outside so we can catch this dive. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> give, me a, give me an arm bar, give me a sleeper hold, give me uh you know work on the back, give me the, the arm stretch with the knee in the back kind of thing. You know, I'm all I'm good with all that. But you could do that and still put together a, a, a good story told match. And I don't know necessarily if this was the one. Um, Hall, like I mentioned, sleeper hold. Hall had a extra loose version of the sleeper on Lex Luger. Like he wasn't, you're supposed to, with the sleeper hold, have pressure points on like the head and the whatnot. No, he was, it was the rest hold of all rest holds. He literally just had it around his, his shoulder blades. Uh, <laughs> the way Luger sells with his yelling annoys me to yeah. no end. It is terrible. Um, and then getting back to this over the top rope, no DQ mess. Zabisco back body drops Hall over the top rope. No DQ. So it's just, I don't ever want to hear about this stupid rule in WCW anymore because it is never enforced. And I'm going to be angry if we watch any more WCW, and we're probably going to, and they talk about this stinking rule that they don't enforce. Um, Six comes in with the ref distracted uh, to kick um, to kick Luger in the head, and just the camera just doesn't catch the kick. And then when they showed the replay after the match, he just missed him. But they had to sell it where Zabisco counts Hall uh, for the win here for the three. But he acts to see the replay, restarts the match. Luger gets the win where he does the torture rack. Then they beat up. Uh, they they end up beating up Larry Zabisco. Bischoff comes out, and he does a much better kick to the head than Six did, which is amazing. But uh, no, this this match kind of took the wind out of the sails uh, for the rest of the review, and uh, hopefully we don't have to watch any more Lex Luger matches here on the Trip War Podcast. I mean, I love Lex Luger, so I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, Chris, what do you got for this match? Uh, this match was a snooze fest, to say the least. Um, 
But the ending got kind of interesting. I wrote down who won because it was all crazy. You know, Scott Hall won, but Lex Luger won. And, you know, Zabisco's restarting the match. Um, Yeah, Six missed the shit out of that. He just missed big whiff. But Luger Luger sold it. Luger sold it. (laughs) Um, But you know who didn't miss their kick? Bischoff. He got... All of that bad boy stomped straight on Zabisco's head uh, and didn't feel bad about it. Um, this was back, I mean, not bad. I mean, I guess technically he still is, but, you know, Bischoff was really pushing his black belt thing. Like, he, you know, he took karate and really lined up this karate kick to, to Zabisco after the match. Um, also, Zabisco slapped on a triangle Tried, oh, no, he tried to do the triangle lock with his legs, couldn't get it locked in, and then just did it like the headlock one. Guillotine. guillotine. Switched it to a guillotine. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, that was the best wrestling in the whole match. It was Abisco slapping on that guillotine. Uh, and that's, yeah, I mean, that was it. <laughs> I know, and now don't don't discredit Eric Bischoff. He's legit karate. Uh, he legit knows martial arts. He, I'm sure, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you got someone who actually knows a martial art trying to come into a, hey, I gotta pretend to hit you. It's like that's really hard to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you train so hard. To like really hurt people, and now you're trying to do those things and like not hurt people. Yeah, like. Well, that's that's why that's why Bischoff was able to make his look more believable. Six, I don't know what six was doing. Six just he did the most. (laughs) I mean, did he really need to do a roundhouse kick? He could have just came in and just like drop kicked him or something, or you know, and he didn't have to do all that. Yeah, you know, he's six. He's got those educated feet. He's just doing the doing the most. Yeah. Well, here's the answer. Six was on all the drugs. He had no idea what was going on. And that too, he wasn't on all the drugs. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I, I, I honestly don't know who won this match. I still don't. (laughs) Right. It's it's hard with the special guest referees. It was Scott Hall wins the match. Zabisco restarts the match, but then does like a screw job like finish where as soon as he got Luger got Hall up in Hall Hall up in the torture rack, he immediately called for the bell. Uh, So technically, I guess Lex Luger wins. Also, if basically what happens is. You know, Zabisco thinks Hall wins the match, but then he sees the replay of like six attacking Luger and then restarts it. So that begs the question why don't the refs just watch the replay when somebody interferes and then they can just restart matches? It's a real Pandora <laughs> box to get into there. You know what I mean? Like, uh,. Yeah. I don't know. I just if if is that a power that a referee has, and if so, why isn't it being implemented more? 
I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that that's the power that a ref has because it's been used before. But it's, uh, I guess, it's picked and choosed of when they want to use it, or right. when the ref just wants to say, "Hey, I'm, I'm using my power." Ref's decision is final, and then, and that's it. Hmm. Real home realization. Right, Skelly Bob? Now that you spent so much time. God damn it. They did it again. Did it. They got me. Oh my God. I don't, I don't know, Chris. I don't know why it doesn't happen on mine. It just happens on yours. Realtor.com. Realtor. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that was just what I needed. Just what I needed. All right, come on, ring bell. <laughs> hey, I, I'm the one that says ring the bell. <laughs> I mean, we can ring the bell, but still, I mean, you know, we we've been waiting all night for the local.com spot. I'm glad it finally came across. So, God, can we? We got to get going so another one doesn't come up. <laughs> all right all right so we're almost done here we have the uh macho man versus ddp las vegas sudden death match which you know i'm a huge fan of i love crazy stipulations i love the macho man i love ddp um you know chris you know like i said for every match so far i'm not gonna really talk about it i'm gonna let you get into it so go for it man so I have a question. Does wrapping your ribs really help? Or is it just painting a target on your ribs? Um, I think I think it just paints a target. It definitely. I don't, think so. like, there's I don't no, really think there's anything that you can do for for a bruised or hurt ribs. Right. You, you just have to like it'll get better over time. Yeah, maybe. And I feel like DDP's ribs are always bruised. Like, didn't he go through like a thing? It's like his he always had the the bandages around his ribs. Yes. Yes. You gotta remember DDP is a lot older than uh he started wrestling extremely later than normal people. I think he started in his 30s. Uh, yeah, late. I mean, it might even be late 30s. But yeah, so there was that. Um, I also noted that because this was our, what? Jeez, oh, I don't even know. Or maybe it was just because they had just come out of an NWO and now we're going back to an NWO. And then the match after this is the NWO. I said they should just have the NWO music just continuously play throughout the, the, the night. Because somebody in the NWO is going to wrestle. So the just, last, the last four matches all had somebody from the NWO. Oh yeah, Kurt and Kurt's at NWO too. So yeah, the last four match was just NWO music, NWO music, NWO music, NWO music, and it's just like Jesus fuck for them the amount that WCW hates the NWO. They are all over this. They're just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> So just continuously pumping NWO music 
throughout the venue at all times. Um, I also wrote Miss Elizabeth is looking good in them black shorts. Uh, <laughs> God, I love Miss Elizabeth. Um, and then, you know, watching the match, DDP and Macho, they're 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 having fun. They're doing their thing. Macho gets thrown through those tombstones. Real which, home realization. God, God. I'm closing it. I'm closing it. It's done. <laughs> you got it twice. Got it twice. See, they they got me. They keep getting me. Um. Really, uh, so Macho Man gets thrown through the styrofoam tombstones. Really, really got him hard. Really, really got him there. And uh, then they get back to the ring. So match is winding down. And then Miss Elizabeth gets involved in this match. Miss Elizabeth never gets involved in matches. But this time, she attacks DDP with a camera wire. Uh, choking him on the apron, which is very out of character for her. Um, I was a little thrown back by seeing her do this. And then some, some I don't know who it was. Who who was this woman, Warren? This was uh, Kimberly. Kimberly. Is this DDP's wife? Yes. Oh, see, they did not. Wife, wife at the time. They did not make that clear. I just, this woman came out and started attacking Miss Elizabeth. I wrote, who's this bitch? Why is she attacking Miss Elizabeth? Said Kimberly. No, they didn't. If they, they did, I did. I couldn't hear them through the commotion of the, the, the thing. They did not say, like, oh, it's DDP's they, wife. They absolutely said Kimberly. No, I beg to differ. I didn't hear him say it. I if, could pull it up right now. If, they, they I'll, I'll said, tell the argument. They definitely said Kimberly. Well, I didn't hear it. So then I wrote that down. And then they go back. But then Fake Sting makes his debut. And Fake Sting comes down, starts pointing his bat at people. Um, and then that was it. That's all I took down. Uh, Macho Man gets the win. But, uh, yeah. Mm, that's it, huh? That's it. <laughs> that's all I got. Macho Man gets the win. And it's done. You had uh, Realtor.com interrupt you. Twice, and that's 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 all you give me. <sighs> I'm never opening that app again. <laughs> done. I'm done. So, <sighs> wait, hold on a second. So this. Okay, you can. What's that? All right. So for this match, uh, <laughs> this match definitely got the pace of the pay per view back up after, um, after oh Jesus, the match that we just did before this. Why am I Scott Hall and Lex Luger? Right, uh, back and forth most of the match. It spills into the crowd. Uh, they go through the crowd from the ring all the way back to the entryway. And there's some guy who just randomly was so excited to see the two of these these two guys fighting in front of him that he had to take his shirt off. <laughs> Weird. Um, then there's this spot where uh, Macho Man, I think, rips the camera from a cameraman. 
there's no way that this was the a real cameraman or a real camera. It shattered into a million pieces once they used it. Um, like Chris mentioned, Liz gets involved here. Heel Liz is amazing. Where in the world did she get a glass plate from? I don't know. Uh, there were a lot of telegraphed spots in the match. Um, there's a spot where Macho Man reverses the diamond cutter because, of course, DDP would try to do the diamond cutter when somebody's standing that close to the ropes. Or when they bring in the second official, uh, Nick Patrick, after Liz knocked the first official out with the glass plate, uh, Nick Patrick, oh, I got to get close to the action, and doop, knocked him over, and he there's another ref bump. Um, now here comes, quote-unquote, Sting. And uh, at first I was like, wait, I thought NWO didn't want Sting to appear. And then, oh, that's why they wanted him not to appear, because they wanted to bring out a fake Sting to interfere with the match. Fake Sting hits DDP in the gut, and he's down for the 10 count, so he doesn't answer, and the Macho Man gets the win. But at the after the match was over, you see replays, you see the exact same angle that you saw uh, during the match. And Tony Schiavone brings up this hint saying he saw, quote unquote, Sting's boots, and he looked like Hollywood Hogan's boots. Uh-huh. But no angle that I saw even saw his boots. I saw his knee pads and say, oh, okay, those are Hogan's knee pads, but I couldn't see the boots. Uh, so why would you even bring up that, oh, you saw the hint with the boots if your viewing, your pay-per-view viewing audience can't see the same thing and put two and two together? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's a match. And, you know, I, I love DDP. Um not my favorite DDP match. I, my big thing here is like, I, I've just never been a fan of like these. I, well, I don't know if this is the first one I've ever seen, but I don't like the macho man, hardcore one-on-one match. Like, I just don't, I don't think the most devastating move in the world is when you jump off the top rope and do the double ax handle to the back. That's like Macho's like big spot. Right? When he jumps from the the top rope to the person on the outside. Well, n- no, I I like that, but not when it's a double axe handle to the back where you just land on your own feet, and then you turn around and flex for ten minutes. <laughs> you know, I think not... I think you're besmirching the good name of the Macho Man with that, and the power of an axe handle, and the power of an axe handle. Uh, maybe I don't understand the power of the axe handle. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I think we can ring the bell here. I think I, I think I might have missed the mark when Chris was talking about how good uh, Miss Elizabeth was looking. I should have done. So Chris could get really into his feelings about Miss Elizabeth. Right. So um, I'm going to take a page out of your uh, playbook here, Warren. Okay. We, in the pre-show, discussed 
that we are in the sudden death realm of the triple R podcast right now. You know, we have three shows that left. That is correct. Um, anyone could win here. You know, it's really up for grabs. Chris is on a losing streak of epic proportions right now. Hasn't won in this is true. almost a month and a half. Uh, I have a tie ball game. Ooh. I got a 10 to 10 score here. Um, I got Warren leading off in this uh, Hogan versus Piper steel cage grudge match, which I don't know how that's any different than a normal steel cage match, but you know, maybe <laughs> one of you can sway my opinion there. Um, before we get into it, uh, in the Melter scale, this was rated as a dud. So did not get a star I, rating. I totally just DUD. I totally not positive, not negative, just not even worth the time. Totally agree. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Warren, you're up first. So wow me. Okay. So Michael Buffer's out here. He always gives these WWE main events a big fight feel. Um, I've always liked uh, Piper's theme with the bagpipes. Uh, this cage looks very similar to the uh, the Capital Combat cage that we saw where it was Luger versus uh, Flair in the cage, where it's, uh, big squares covers the ring and the outside area. Um, this is pre-Hell in the... No, this, we already had a Hell in the Cell. Um, but just the cage just looks really low budget here. Uh, Piper's offense is wild and crazy. He's here out. He's out here biting Hogan on the back, biting Hogan on the face. Um, and uh, so then there's so this is a cage match, and they explain that there's no pinfalls. Uh, the only way to win is to get out of the cage. Right. They're fighting on the outside of the ring. Hogan's trying to get out. Piper is clearly behind him and has him like around his waist. Hogan steps out first. Piper steps out second. As it was clear as day. There were no questions about it. And the ref just kind of looks at him and was like, oh, they stepped out at the same time. No, they didn't step out at the same time. Hogan stepped out first. This match should have been over. And I shouldn't still have 10 notes left to talk about on this match. But I digress. Now we got Sting number two coming out. And he's out here looking at Hogan. Uh, there's no reason for these two old guys to be climbing up the cage. And oh, here comes Sting three. <laughs> Hogan brings a, a foreign object out of his tights. It's a no DQ match. You don't need to put it back. Just use it and keep using it. Once again, stop climbing the cage, Hogan. Climbs back up the cage. And now, here's another sting. I'm not sure if it's one or two. Might be three or four. There were even some coming down the aisles in the arena. It might be on five, six. But they're stopping Hogan from getting down. And what does Piper do? No, he doesn't go out the door. He climbs up after Hogan. So now, they get back in the ring. Hogan hits the leg drop. And he waves the official into the ring to count the pin. But Michael Buffer said there were no pins. 
And it's a two count. Now Savage is out here. He needs to get involved in a match. And instead of going to run in the door, he climbs to the top of the cage. This is higher than any other cell that I've seen. This is higher than the Foley getting tossed off or Shane McMahon jumping off. He jumps up to the top of the cage to do a double axe handle on the Roddy Piper. I thought he was going to break both of his ankles. <laughs> now, Piper gets the upper hand. I think, I, I can't remember if Savage even hit it. He might have missed. Piper gets the upper hand, gets the sleeper on, gets the win. Uh, NWO still gets their comeuppance on him, and they handcuff Piper to the cage. The stings are around. Other people from the NWO come down. A fan with a sting face paint climb, uh, hops the guardrail, climbs over the, ra- the, the fence, the cage, climbs down, starts getting beaten up by Hogan and by... Uh, Macho Man, even one of the fake stings that comes in, uh, who was knocked out originally, tackled him up against the cage. But I don't know if this was a real fan or if this was a plant fan that was supposed to do all this stuff. And then they abruptly end the pay-per-view and roll credits to with zero resolution as far as what happened in this main event. Uh, Yeah, that's true. We have no idea what happened, so... You know, that's probably my favorite part of the pay-per-view, honestly. But was the end. Yeah. I mean, you know. Tune in tune in tune in next week. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Chris, um, I have a question. There's points on the line here. How many stings were there? <laughs> honestly, I've no goddamn idea. Uh, I lost count. I mean, Warren's guess is as good as mine. Uh, six, seven? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, they were they were all over the place. There are eight stings. Eight. God damn it. Eight different stings, and none of them were Steve Borden. <laughs> yeah, none of them were sting, but there were eight stings. Yes. Oh man, this match. Oh boy! Again, you know. You start the match off, they give you a list of stipulations for the match. Not a single one is followed throughout the time that this match is going on. Um, (sighs) Just cage match. I feel like all cage matches are pretty much the same. Sometimes there's, you know, they might have a ref inside who would count. You can win by either pinfall or submission. Or escaping the cage. I feel like those are the ways you win a cage match. It's, you know, that's just what it's supposed to be. In this one, because it's a grudge match, no pinfall. It's just first person to escape the cage. They said it at the top. Michael Buffer said it. Everyone heard it. You got to escape the cage to win. And then, you know, the match goes. It's going like a regular Hogan-Piper match. Uh, Piper out here eating ass. Piper was out here eating ass before it was cool. He was all up in Hulk Hogan's dookie shoot. Like, he was really in there. Um, I gave you a point for dookie shoot, by the way. I I also wrote down, I can't tell if I like the WCW cage or not. Like, it's different, but it's like, it's too far away from the ring. 
the squares are like just a bit too big. Like, I don't know. It like looks, I don't know. I don't, I can't tell if I like it. I'm okay with the cage. I'm okay with the, with it, the size of it for it being so they can access the outside of the ring. I'm, I like that part of it. Um, I like the part that there's no top. Um, I like the part that it's easily climbable. I mean, they didn't need the, these two old guys didn't need to climb it, but the fact that it's easily climbable for other people, sure. Right. But just the look of it, like the old big block WWF cage, the blue cage with the big steel uh, yeah. squares was one thing, but this wasn't though. Didn't it wasn't this piping. It was just looked like uh, something you'd buy at home Depot for yeah. $4.99 a foot. I don't know. That was weird. And then, so <laughs> I wrote down not long after, you know, they're out there. Piper's biting Hogan and, you know, they're doing all this stuff. Hogan walks out of the cage. And I write down, oh, Hogan's out. And Piper's like right behind them. I'm like, oh, they're they're out of the cage. They're both out. And the match is still going. And it's, it's not over. And it's just like, well, but I thought once you leave the cage, you win the match. So Hogan should have won. Because he clearly, you know, Hogan steps out. Like you were saying, Hogan steps out. Then Piper steps out. Because Piper follows him. But the ref is just like, hey, what are you doing? Get back in there. It's like, no, it's matched over. Hogan wins. <laughs> it's done. It's it's not like the Royal Rumble with, with John Cena and Batista where they both go over the top rope and they both hit the floor at the same time. Right. It's not that. No, 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 no. It's not that. That was executed. The, oh, what cage? It was a WWE cage match. Was it? They both dropped down at the same time. It was Bret Hart and somebody. Was it Stone Cold? Bret Hart and Cold, Stone Cold? I don't think it was Stone Cold, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, that that was performed exactly right. There was an actual like they hit the floor at the same time. Oh, maybe it was him and Owen. It might have been him and Owen. Maybe it was him and Owen. Um, but they were like, you know, they done perfectly. Yeah, this they both climb out. They're climbing down. They both jump and land at the same time. And then they had to go. I think they sent them back in to finish. Yes. So that's how you do that. But this cage, way too big to do that. They're old men. They can't climb all the way up there and then all the way down to do a little jump to land. It's not going to happen. So they're like, oh, we're going to walk out at the same time. And then they just <laughs> they didn't step out at the same time. The way you do it is get in the tie up. Like, you know, you're both hands. You know, each one has a hand on the collarbone. You're both throwing punches. And then just the door's big enough just sidestep out while you're punching each other oh they stepped out at the exact same time i know you guys talk when you're in those collarbone collar elbow tie-ups you when you're hammering you just count one two three step with this foot and then you're both out at the same time it's like oh they we got to send them back in they stepped out at the same time it's very easy it's not hard they do this conga line bullshit where piper is hanging on to hogan's ass because he wants to eat it some more and then hogan steps out piper steps out and the ref is like, man, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's like, and then Hogan tries to hit Piper with the door and like misses a bunch of times, but Piper is selling it. Like what? <laughs> they just keep selling. Always be selling. ABCs, baby. ABCs is selling. <laughs> uh, 
So then I, you know, it's Sting and then it's Sting again. And oh, look, Sting. Like, there's so many Stings. I lose count. I don't care about Sting. Jesus Christ. Macho Man, not to be out sh- outshone by, by Piper or Hogan, has to come get his main event glory. But Macho Man, you're saying, you're not in the main event. Yeah, not with that attitude. So Macho comes down. God bless him. <laughs> I'm sure someone in the back told Macho Man, listen, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go down to the ring. The gate's already open. So you're going to walk into the gate. You're going to get on top rope, and you're going to give a double axe handle. Okay? You're old, old bread and butter. Macho Man, I think Macho Man, halfway down running in, he's like, I'm going to climb this cage, and I'm going to jump off it. He gets up there, and I don't What would you say the distance is from the cage to... The, the gap between the cage and, like, the apron, like, the outside, that little mat, how, how, how far would you say that is? A couple feet. Easily. A couple feet. Maybe, like, three feet, four feet, maybe? Four, five. I mean, I think they could have stood in the middle in between the two evenly and put their arms out and touched both right. the cage and the ring. It's got to them to walk around at least right it's got to be like four feet yeah far enough to where i didn't i wasn't sure if he was gonna make it oh no no one should think he was gonna make that no one should think he was gonna make that at no point would you look up with that distance between the cage and then you have the apron and then he has to jump over the turnbuckle and then land in the ring there is no way you would see that and be like I got this. No, I don't. One, one person would have. He's one person would have looked at that and said, "Oh, I got this, Jeff Hardy." That's it. Oh, Me, I don't even think Jeff Hardy would do this. Oh, I don't even think. No, I do not. This cage is higher. I would even say this cage is. It might be as high. It might even be higher than. The Hell in a Cell cage. Oh, easily higher. Easily higher than Hell in a Cell. Higher than Hell in a Cell. Further away than like a standard cage, like jumping into a a ring. Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure you clear that distance. And you're so high. You're so high. And when you jump from that height, you better either be landing on your back, on someone catching you back first, or into a group of people back first. That's how you land from that height safely. Yes. Macho Man says, my legs can take this. I'm going to lock them out and just jumps and it's like, I'm going to land on my feet. (laughs) I'm going to stick this. I am... (laughs) Macho Man thinks he's fucking Simone Biles out here. Like, I'm going to fucking stick this. And he doesn't. He almost had bones sticking out. His knee buckles so hard. And I'm like, it's over. He's never walking again because it's so high. It's so high. Me, like, 
hours, inches. He is inches from hitting this turnbuckle and just breaking his neck. Like he is inches from a tragedy happening. Yeah. Because he he is probably so, I don't even, you know what? No, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's drugged out. I think he's, he's off drugs right now, but he's just, he's still searching. He's chasing that dragon. He is searching for that sweet, sweet high he used to get from riding that white horse that he's like, I got to jump off of this thing and it's going to get a big old pop and I'm macho man and I'm going to flex and oh yeah, brother, Slim Jims. Like he probably ate like 20 Slim Jims is like, this is going to work. And it just, it barely works. He, he hits Hogan with this axe handle from heaven. I don't know if he actually hit him or not, but he just (laughs) he plans. They say he hit Hogan on accident. He's I don't know, clutching his knee because he's like, oh, that was a mistake. And oh boy. So then Piper slaps on the sleeper. And then, I don't know. I forget how the match actually ends. I know that a whole bunch of stuff happens. And then they chain up Piper outside. And Macho is giving these, his little stiff, stiff jabs to Mm. Piper while they're trying to handcuff him. And Piper is so blown up. He is so tired. It's like, I can't believe I'm wrestling again. And he's just, he stops selling. He's not even selling it anymore. He's just sitting there like, God, can we go home yet? Like, aren't we done? And uh, then the fan comes. And I thought maybe this was Sting in street clothes at first. Uh, Agreed. Then when he gets in there, he climbs all the way up and all the way down. And then the the fake Sting has lo- he's lost his mask. Yep, tackles him and like pins him to the cage. And I'm like, oh no, this is wasted fan Wednesday. This is a guy overzealous guy had too many Labatt Blues or wait, where are they? They're down in, uh, they're in Vegas. They're in Vegas, so maybe they're drinking Labatt Blues down there. I don't know. What would they be drinking in Vegas? What beers are good in Vegas? Modelo's? I don't know. I don't know. Tecates? Like, whatever they're drinking out there. In Vegas? I'd say cold ones. Cold ones, yeah. Whatever. He's <laughs> just, you know. So, here's one thing I have learned, though. Of my years of rest, wrestling watching. Um, if you are a fan... And maybe you get lost in the moment and you forget that, hey, these guys are like putting on a show. It's scripted. They're really friends. You know, they're going to go out and have a beer after this. Like they ride together. You know, if you if you tend to forget that that aspect of it and you really think that these guys who you love so much are really getting attacked and hurt. And you need to do something. You're the only person that can do it. 
and you decide to jump that barricade and get involved, just know every step of the way, the ref is going to beat you up. The talent's going to beat you up. Security's going to beat you up. Hell, whoever the bookers are, they might beat you up. You know, they're all going to get a shot in. Every single one. And there are people in the business who are more bothered by this action than others. And the person you do not want to jump in their match is Macho Man. Now, I understand that this wasn't his match, but he's out there. You don't want to jump in because Macho Man is going to he's going to beat the shit out of you. The only other person who I would say is more violent with fans interfering was I would say it's uh, Earl Hebner. Earl the Squirrel doesn't play around either. So I I saw a clip of a of a dark match not dark match a house show match with Triple H and Austin and he's Austin talked about this on his podcast where a fan comes in and starts getting Austin when he's down selling yeah Triple H comes and grabs the guy and slams him and the referee was I think Mike Kyoto Kyoto oh yeah Kyoto is another one got his boots in Kyoto is another one Earl and Kyoto they don't mess they don't mess around either. Just yes, as a fan, please never hop that guardrail. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not. And you'll be banned. They're gonna ban you from like all events. Absolutely. And all bets are off if you're if you're hopping that guardrail because then it's about uh, the safety of the wrestlers and the referees and all the the WC or the all the people part of that organization. So I mean. I just, I don't know. He's an idiot. But Macho, when, you know, they're over dealing with Piper. And then I don't know who it was that pointed it out. Like, oh, we got a fan over here. I think Hogan pointed it out. Maybe it was Hogan who pointed it out. Hogan's, or I think he saw that the ref and like security was coming in. And Hogan may have told Macho, oh, we got a fan. And they actually moved the fan into the ring. And when they moved him into the Macho Man was all over him. Ripped his shirt, getting jabs in. I think he even tried to strangle him with the shirt. Like, Macho Man wasn't playing. Yep. But then, the something about it. I don't remember what it was. But something about the way that the security was handling it. I thought maybe this is a work. Was this a work? And if it was a work, I I know they did not tell Randy about it because Randy was treating it like it was real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, if it was a work, I felt bad for this guy. They were like, oh, don't worry. We're going to take care of you. And Macho Man just like, oh, there's a fan over here. Just fucking wanted to see the life leave his eyes. And I felt like this guy was trying to tell her like oh no like i'm you know i'm dave i'm from accounting like i'm just doing this thing like you know it just felt a little i don't know what it was it was just something about him or maybe it was just the pure terror as he's like oh macho man is gonna like he's gonna kill me (laughs) he does not this is not the first time i've seen randy savage attack a fan and who's jumped over to and like rightfully so he should do it but he 
does he does not mess around. Doesn't. So just just don't do it. Just don't just don't. Just don't. It's never gonna end well. It's never gonna end well. It never ends well. <laughs> and then the baby just stops. They're just like <laughs> Shivani and they were just like, we gotta go. And then they just like turned it off. <laughs> and then that was it. Like, we still never got a ending to this really. Like, Piper's still chained. For all we know, he could still be chained up there. I don't know. That's where he died. He chained, they chained him there. They never, they never got him. And I don't know. It was just a weird, abrupt ending that this match made no sense. None of these last couple matches made any sense. Oh, God. WCW. So, Chris. Yeah. That was the longest individual segment that we have ever had. <laughs> like, far It just... There were a lot of... There was a lot of stuff. stuff, man. Gotta cover it all. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to you. you. You went for it. I mean, it was probably about 25 minutes long. But you know, you really went after it. I did. You know, I I was gonna discuss my notes, but I feel like you went over my notes, and then, you know, anyone who's ever watched this pay per view's notes and then did it <laughs> again. This left a lot of questions, man. Yeah, there, there's no questions left. You, you covered it. No, oh, well, yeah. So, yeah, with that being said, that's uh, Halloween Havoc 1997. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this pay-per-view. Before I announce who won, I would like to give out some awards. So, first and foremost, uh, let's give out the the old banana award, as I like to say, in the the ripe bananas. Uh, Warren, who do you have winning the ripe bananas this year? particular pay-per-view uh the right bananas award will go to i think it's it's gotta be don't buy any unripe bananas it's gotta be disco and jacqueline um short match it, ne- it probably needed to be shorter than it was um but just not much to it could have done without it. Uh, didn't need it. Never, never gonna need it again. You know that that's probably there. I mean, that's fair. Uh, Chris, do you have any uh, bananas to give out? Uh, yeah, Disco and Jacqueline, right? Bananas. I'm, uh, I'm also giving a right bananas to Mongo and Alex Wright. Like that whole thing, it's so stupid. I just everyone involved in that gets the right bananas. Mongo gets one for you know discussing his marital problems on national TV. Deborah gets one for <sighs> canoodling with Alex Wright and bringing an innocent person into it. Alex Wright gets one for being uh, uh, what's the word entranced by Deborah and her her perky titties. Goldberg gets one for wanting a ring like. Get out of here, Goldberg. I just, I don't know. Everyone in that gets one. That was a definitely, definitely a close second for sure for me. Anyways, Chris, you're off the rails right now. I feel like 
Halloween Havoc just <laughs> rips something up in you, man. And, uh, you know. Listen, the Ray and Eddie, I really like that one. Ray and Eddie was great. Even even Yuji Nagata and Ultimo, really great match. Loved it. Loved every second of it. After that, after Ray and Eddie, it's just, uh, just it's a bunch of question marks, man. A bunch of question marks. You didn't like the match with my boy, my boy. Even the heavy hitters, Gordy. Even the ghetto Chris Jericho, I would watch over any of that stuff. All right, so uh, cream of the crop. Hit me, hit me with your uh, cream of the crop, Chris. Not even a question. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. The cream of the crop! Best match of the night. Super entertaining. I was, you know, emotions all over the place. I loved it. It was great. Great storytelling, great moves, great chemistry, as always. Ray and Eddie. They should just be, we should just call it the Ray and Eddie Award. Hmm. I like that. Uh, Warren, uh, same question to you, sir. Yeah, there's there's no question at all. It's the cream of the crop. It's Mysterio and, and Guerrero as the, the cream of the crop. I will say the DDP Macho Man match was very good. Um, but the, there's, just, there's no question that the cream of the crop match of the of the night would be Rey Mysterio and Eddie. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to assign a cream of the crop, I'd do the same. Um, you know, just as I said earlier, one of the best matches I think I've ever watched. And yeah, it was great. I mean, I actually like this pay-per-view a lot. I, you know, there's a lot of goofiness. There's a lot of good actual wrestling matches in it as well. Um, didn't think it was a chore to get through at all. So um, glad we watched this one. Can I give a, a impromptu uh, award? I'm going to call this the the Scott Steiner Confusion Award. I don't know which drop you want to play for that, Warren. You can pick whichever. Uh, let's go with. After it's all said and done, you're going to be taking splinters out of your fat asses all night long because you got some fat asses. The only chance you have, you have no chance, but you had a chance, is you can run Nicky Split. You can't run because you got the bad asses. After his son done, we're gonna have a tailgate party for all my freaks out there. I think the the lickety split and the sum done is enough to be confused. Well, I mean, I'm this uh this award goes to the entire the entire tail end of the pay per view because all these matches and their stipulations no one knew what the fuck was going on nobody knew what was going on in mongo and alice right nobody knew what was going on in disco and jacqueline uh kurt henning and flair i mean that was kind of okay maybe their excuse for it but lex luger scott hall nobody knows what's going on there macho man ddp and especially hogan and piper no one knows what the fuck's going on you say the stipulations then you don't follow the rules and it's just chaos it's all chaos but this is where the big boys play. That's right. That's all that matters. It's where the big boys play. Uh, before we sign off here, I do want to let the audience know that uh, spring admissions have started. So please, 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 if you want your son, daughter to enroll in the Big Bad Booty Daddy Academy, we are taking applicants right now. 
Um, <laughs> you know, just send them in. We'll, we'll look them over. Hopefully they're accepted. The education they're going to get there is top notch. Top and- notch. Oh, yeah. Best in the world. Best in the world. Undisputedly the best in the world. I think, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, if, if you want to set your child up for success, step one is getting enrolled in the Big Bad Booty Daddy Academy. And, right. I mean, instructors from all over the world, over um, the world. top in their fields, uh, you're never going to get, uh, uh, you know, better insight from people who have had in, uh, uh, you know, on the ground, you know, in, in these particular field experiences, um, you know, it's just, just, you know, top notch, top notch. And yeah, Scott Steiner is very, uh, he's very worldly, very international. Right. Should go back to Canada, the place we call Mexico North. That's right. That's right. Uh, Scott Steiner, very hands on with the uh, curriculum there at the mm-hmm. uh, Big Bad Booty Daddy Academy. And also, also, spots are limited. Hulk Hogan, we're about a spot. We can have a spot. This bald spot. Wow. His limp gift to the ring spot. His age spot. His non-athletic spot. Thank you, Professor Steiner, as always. Uh, very welcome <laughs> on the podcast. So what everyone's waiting for here is the the winner of this particular show. And by a score of 16 to 14 to 12, I won the show. So everyone. <laughs> no, that's not bruh. that's not how it goes. I'm only kidding. Uh, by a score of 14 to 12, uh, Chris Lee took this one down. Congratulations, Chris. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, so you're off the snide. Is, you? uh, is it safe to say, Chris, that you are in your in my moment of glory? I am. You're right. I am in my moment of glory. Um, I'm you know, I'm I'm riding this high, man. You know, the Bills won. I got this W. Hopefully I can I can transfer some of my power back to the Bills so they can get the W. Uh, you know, uh, it's just great feeling, great feeling to be on top once again. And I, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to Justin Pilcher for hosting today in this Zofdig two hours and 10 minutes. Oh, podcast. we did he it. Is, uh, slowly becoming the icon in wrestling. I mean, we we had a good runtime going until Chris went on his forty five minute rant about the Hogan Piper cage match. <laughs> I just I had a lot to say about it. You're absolutely right. We I, were making very good time, and I then had, the last I, match I, happened, and we just we just went at it. I had a lot to say. No one noticed. I actually stood up, went to the bathroom, made myself a snack, ate it, sat back down. You, Chris, was still talking. So then I got up again. <laughs> Truth, truth be told, I 100% noticed that you got up. Okay. Anyhow, all right. Well, um, we are at the tail end of the show. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Triple R Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Triple R Pod. Warren. 
Yes. Do you know where you can find us on Twitter? So on Twitter, what you do, you download the app or you go to the website. Who who actually uses the Twitter website? I think it's all through the app now. Mm-hmm. But either way, however you decide to access Twitter, you go there and you type in Triple R Pod. There it is. That's going to bring you right to our page, and you can see the one thing we've posted since we started this podcast, and it's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're efforting that. Don't you worry. Uh, if you want to interact on our website, it's www. Dot, that's too many W's. www.triplerpodcast.com. If you have any questions, concerns, um, if you want to send us a gift card, if uh, you're curious yeah. if Mercury is in retrograde, just send us an email. It's at the real triple R podcast gmail.com. Uh, we'll get back to you at some point. Um, could be today, it could be tomorrow. The email tomorrow. the other day, the email was busy. I don't know who this person was, but they were talking about just a whole bunch of nothing. Where he are he professed his love for uh for Bailey, then oh, it was Sasha Banks. Banks, and then it was for Carmella and Peyton Royce. Um, yeah, he's oh, just all over the place. Is that, is Shout out to him. Is it still happening? Uh, I talked to him. I sent him a number of replies. This is all back on January 11th. Oh, we had a nice long conversation. I sent him a, a few replies too. Um, yeah, dude. I, before we sign off, let me find out this guy's name. Let's give him a shout out. I mean, why not? I, I got it right here. Who we got right here? We'll give him a shout out. Let's shout out uh, his name, jo- Johnny Muttre. I think it is. Please forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But Johnny, shout out to you for that nice long conversation that we had in the uh, the Triple R podcast email. What, Gmail. What was the name? You said Johnny Mudbutt. Muttre. Muttre. M U T. R E Y. Hmm. You try? Sure. My tree? Shout out. Sure. Shout out to Johnny Mudbutt. uh, First uh, fan of the podcast. You know, and uh, keep your skies clear and your mud, your butt full of mud. I don't know. That's all I got. Keep your butt full of mud. Let's uh, Bruh. let's just get to uh, we got the particulars in. Let's we should probably get out of here. All right, this you is guys have a great evening, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. See, see you guys on Wednesday. See you. <laughs>